Chapters twenty one to twenty five of Tristram Shandy, Volume Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Geeson. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy gentlemen volume four last volume by lawrence stern chapter twenty one as i knew the geography of the tomb of the lovers as well as if i had lived twenty years in lyon namely that it was upon the turning of my right hand just without the gate leading to the faubourg de vaise i dispatched francois to the boat that i might pay the homage i so long owed it without a witness of my weakness i walked with all imaginable joy towards the place when i saw the gate which intercepted the tomb my heart glowed within me tender and faithful spirits cried i addressing myself to amandus and amanda long long have i tarried to drop this tear upon your tomb i come i come when i came there was no tomb to drop it upon what would i have given for my uncle toby to have whistled lillibolero chapter twenty two no matter how or in what mood but i flew from the tomb of the lovers or rather i did not fly from it for there was no such thing existing and just got time enough to the boat to save my passage and ere i had sailed a hundred yards the rhone and the saone met together and carried me down merrily betwixt them but i have described this voyage down the rhone before i made it so now i am at avignon and as there is nothing to see but the old house in which the duke of ormond resided and nothing to stop me but a short remark upon the place in three minutes you will see me crossing the bridge upon a mule with francois upon a horse with my portmanteau behind him and the owner of both striding the way before us with a long gun upon his shoulder and a sword under his arm lest peradventure we should run away with his cattle had you seen my breeches in entering avignon though you would have seen them better i think as i mounted you would not have thought the precaution amiss or found in your heart to have taken it in dudgeon for my own part i took it most kindly and determined to make him a present of them when we got to the end of our journey 
for the trouble they had put him to of arming himself at all points against them before i go further let me get rid of my remark upon avignon which is this that i think it wrong merely because a man's hat has been blown off his head by chance the first night he comes to avignon that he should therefore say avignon is more subject to high winds than any town in all france for which reason i laid no stress upon the accident till i had inquired of the master of the inn about it who telling me seriously it was so and hearing moreover the windiness of avignon spoke of in the country about as a proverb i set it down merely to ask the learned what can be the cause the consequence i saw for they are all dukes marquises and counts there the deuce a baron in all avignon so that there is scarce any talking to them on a windy day prithee friend said i take hold of my mule for a moment for i want to pull off one of my jack-boots which hurt my heel the man was standing quite idle at the door of the inn and as i had taken it into my head he was some way concerned about the house or stable i put the bridle into his hand so begun with the boot when i had finished the affair i turned about to take the mule from the man and thank him but monsieur le marquis had walked in chapter twenty three i had now the whole south of france from the banks of the rhone to those of the garonne to traverse upon my mule at my own leisure at my own leisure for i had left death the lord knows and he only how far behind me i have followed many a man through france quoth he but never at this mettlesome rate still he followed and still i fled him but i fled him cheerfully still he pursued but like one who pursued his prey without hope as he lagged every step he lost softened his looks why should i fly him at this rate so notwithstanding all the commissary of the post-office had said i changed the mode of my travelling once more and after so precipitate and rattling a course as i had run i flattered my fancy with thinking of my mule and that i should traverse the rich plains of languedoc upon his back as slowly as foot could fall there is nothing more pleasing to a traveller to travel writers than a large rich plain 
especially if it is without great rivers or bridges and presents nothing to the eye but one unvaried picture of plenty for after they have once told you that tis delicious or delightful as the case happens that the soil was grateful and that nature pours out all her abundance etc they have then a large plain upon their hands which they know not what to do with and which is of little or no use to them but to carry them to some town and that town perhaps of little more but a new place to start from to the next plain and so on this is most terrible work judge if i don't manage my planes better chapter twenty four i had not gone above two leagues and a half before the man with his gun began to look at his priming i had three several times loitered terribly behind half a mile at least every time once in deep conference with a drum-maker who was making drums for the fairs of beaucaire and tarascon i did not understand the principles the second time i cannot so properly say i stopped for meeting a couple of franciscans straightened more for time than myself and not being able to get to the bottom of what i was about i had turned back with them the third was an affair of trade with a gossip for a hand-basket of provence figs for four sous this would have been transacted at once but for a case of conscience at the close of it for when the figs were paid for it turned out that there were two dozen of eggs covered over with vine leaves at the bottom of the basket as i had no intention of buying eggs i made no sort of claim of them as for the space they had occupied what signified it i had figs enough for my money but it was my intention to have the basket it was the gossip's intention to keep it without which she could do nothing with her eggs and unless i had the basket i could do as little with my figs which were too ripe already and most of them burst at the side this brought on a short contention which terminated in sundry proposals what we should both do how we disposed of our eggs and figs i defy you or the devil himself had he not been there which i am persuaded he was to form the least probable conjecture you will read the whole of it not this year for i am hastening to the story of my uncle toby's amours but you will read it in the collection of those which have arose out of the journey across this plain and which therefore i call my plain stories 
hmm, how far my pen has been fatigued like those of other travellers in this journey of it over so barren a track the world must judge but the traces of it which are now all set to vibrating together this moment tell me it is the most fruitful and busy period of my life for as i had made no convention with my man with the gun as to time by stopping and talking to every soul i met who was not in a full trot joining all parties before me waiting for every soul behind hailing all those who were coming through cross-roads arresting all kinds of beggars pilgrims fiddlers friars not passing by a woman in a mulberry tree without commending her legs and tempting her into conversation with a pinch of snuff in short by seizing every handle of what size or shape soever which chance held out to me in this journey i turned my plain into a city i was always in company and with great variety too and as my mule loved society as much as myself and had some proposals always on his part to offer to every beast he met i am confident we could have passed through pall mall or st james's street for a month together with fewer adventures and seen less of human nature oh there is that sprightly frankness which at once unpins every plait of a languedocian's dress that whatever is beneath it it looks so like the simplicity which poets sing of in better days i will delude my fancy and believe it is so twas in the road betwixt nimes and lunel where there is the best muscato wine in all france and which by the by belongs to the honest canons of montpellier and foul befall the man who has drunk it at their table who grudges them a drop of it the sun was set they had done their work the nymphs had tied up their hair afresh and the swains were preparing for a carousal my mule made a dead point tis the fife and taburin said i i'm frightened to death quoth he they are running at the ring of pleasure said i giving him a prick by saint bougar and all the saints at the back side of the door of purgatory said he making the same resolution with the abbess of andouillet i'll not go a step farther tis very well sir said i i never will argue a point with one of your family as long as i live so leaping off his back and kicking off one boot into this ditch and t'other into that 
i'll take a dance said i so stay you here a sunburnt daughter of labour rose up from the group to meet me as i advanced towards them her hair which was a dark chestnut approaching rather to a black was tied up in a knot all but a single tress we want a cavalier said she holding out both her hands as if to offer them and a cavalier ye shall have said i taking hold of both of them hadst thou nanette been arrayed like a duchesse but that cursed slit in thy petticoat nanette cared not for it we could not have done without you said she letting go one hand with self-taught politeness leading me up with the other a lame youth whom apollo had recompensed with a pipe and to which he had added a tabourine of his own accord ran sweetly over the prelude as he sat upon the bank tie me up this tress instantly said nanette putting a piece of string into my hand it taught me to forget i was a stranger the whole knot fell down we had been seven years acquainted the youth struck the note upon the tabourin his pipe followed and off we bounded the deuce take that slit the sister of the youth who had stolen her voice from heaven sung alternately with her brother twas a gascoigne roundelay vive la joie bidon la tristesse the nymphs joined in unison and their swains an octave below them i would have given a crown to have it sewed up nanette would not have given a sou vive la joie was in her lips vive la joie was in her eyes a transient spark of amity shot across the space betwixt us she looked amiable why could i not live and end my days thus just disposer of our joys and sorrows cried i why could not a man sit down in the lap of content here and dance and sing and say his prayers and go to heaven with this nut-brown maid capriciously did she bend her head on one side and dance up insidious then tis time to dance off quoth i so changing only partners and tunes i danced it away from lunel to montpellier from thence to pesquenas Béziers. i danced it along through narbonne carcassonne and castle Nodery, till at last i danced myself into perdrillo's pavilion 
where pulling out a paper of black lines that i might go on straight forwards without digression or parenthesis in my uncle toby's amours i begun thus chapter twenty five but softly for in these sportive plains and under this genial sun where at this instant all flesh is running out piping fiddling and dancing to the vintage and every step that's taken the judgment is surprised by the imagination i defy notwithstanding all that has been said upon straight lines vide volume three in sundry pages of my book i defy the best cabbage-planter that ever existed whether he plants backwards or forwards it makes little difference in the account except that he will have more to answer for in the one case than in the other i defy him to go on coolly critically and canonically planting his cabbages one by one in straight lines and stoical distances especially if slits in petticoats are unsewed up without ever and anon straddling out or sidling into some bastardly digression in friesland fogland and some other lands i wot of it may be done but in this clear climate of fantasy and perspiration where every idea sensible and insensible gets vent in this land my dear eugenius in this fertile land of chivalry and romance where i now sit unscrewing my inkhorn to write my uncle toby's amours and with all the meanders of julia's track in quest of her diego in full view of my study window if thou comest not and takest me by the hand what a work it is likely to turn out let us begin it end of chapters twenty one to twenty five recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey